And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. We click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot. I walk away. I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam on a Friday. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me, as always, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, it's the off season. We've had free agency. We're kind of in the middle of it, kind of. There's a lot more free agency to happen, but it's mostly done. We've seen the NBA draft. Now we are in off-season mode. And with that, we have lots of decisions that need to be made about lots of different teams. Some of those decisions have been made. And Alex, tell us about the team that you want to break down today. Well, Andrew, as you mentioned, it is free agency week. Um, And with free agency comes winners and losers, Andrew. Who's the big winner? Who's the big loser? (laughs) A classic segment in the NBA podcast genre. Oh, yeah. But Andrew, lurking below that conversation is something much worse than being a free agency loser, and that is being a team without a clear plan. I would much rather my team have a questionable free agency if I know they at least have a plan. Even if the plan is as simple as, hey, we need to make the playoffs and keep our star happy before his free agency hits. That's a plan, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe it takes Mm -hmm. you down some bad individual signings, but it's a plan. Take a, take a team like the Bulls, for instance. Maybe I didn't love the DeRozan signing, but I get it. I understand the stakes with the Vooch trade last year, Zach Levine's upcoming free agency. After four straight seasons of missing the playoffs, they had to be better this season. And based on their moves, it's hard to imagine a scenario where they are not going to be significantly better next year. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, so, they got to be better. Yeah. So even though I question the individual move of DeRozan, I get the plan. It's much worse, in my opinion, to not have a plan. And that brings me to the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, no. What the hell are they doing? (laughs) We have known for months now that Damian Lillard does not think the Trailblazers' current roster is championship worthy. April 30th, Chris Haynes writes an article titled, Is Damian Lillard Fighting the Good Fight Alone in Portland? The article ends with, simply put, Lillard has not received the help he needs to win a title in this era. As he turns 31 this summer and considering all he's done for the franchise, a more aggressive, risky approach is needed in order to pair him with another bona fide star. That was the first first salvo, April 30th, months ago. Wow. June 27th, Chris Haynes again. Coaching process, inability to build a title-contending roster may push Damian Lillard out of Portland. July 16th, Chris Haynes interviewed Dame. In discussing why he's speaking out now about changes he'd like to see, Dame said, 
Our environment has always been great. We're not losing a lot, but we were eliminated by a shorthanded Denver team that I felt we should have beat. I just walked away from that really disappointed. I was like, man, this just isn't going to work. We're not winning the championship, but we've got a successful organization. We're not a franchise that's just out here losing every year and getting divided. We have positive seasons. We just don't end up with a championship. So I feel like at this point, I basically made the decision that if you do what you've always done, you'll always be where you've always been. So in a month's time, Damian Lillard made it explicitly clear to everyone listening that A, he would like to win a championship, and B, Mm -hmm. the current Blazers roster is not good enough to do that. So what have the Blazers done in response? Well, let's go through it. They re-signed Norman Powell. They swapped Carmel Anthony and Ennis Cantor for Tony Snell and Cody Zeller, and they signed Ben McLemore to a deal. Now, if I were a Blazers fan, let's say, and I was wearing my rose-colored glasses, I might say, hey, let's start off by yelling, hey! hey! The starting five with Norm last year was awesome in the regular season. Snell and Zeller, Sneller, is better for the Blazers than, Lame- than Mello, I almost called him a Lamello, than Mello and Cantor. <laughs> And, yeah. and Ben McElmore can shoot, I guess. My rose-colored glasses aren't as high on McElmore. Yeah, but is this yeah. not the exact same thing Blazers fans have been telling themselves for years now? Every single <sighs> season, Neil Olshay makes a little tweak here, a little tweak there, and not a single soul ever considers the Blazers to be a true contender at the end of the day. Which yeah. brings me back to my initial question. What the hell are the Blazers doing? Dame has made his demands clear. You know the Mm -hmm. repercussions if those demands aren't met. And unless you haven't been paying attention, you know what's going to happen if you just run it back again with only peripheral changes. So you're in this high-stakes scenario involving a beloved franchise icon who by all accounts wants to win in Portland, and this Mm -hmm. is the roster you're betting on. It's crazy. So so what's going to happen? Well, on Chris Haynes' podcast, Post It Up, released on Wednesday, he said that he expects Dame to give Billups a chance, new coach, and to give this roster a shot. He said, the roster as is, Dame doesn't see how it's a team that can really contend for a title, but management thinks otherwise. Also on Wednesday, Mark Stein said that the Blazers don't want to move CJ, which is the clearest path to a significant roster upgrade. As Sean Hyken at Hyken on Twitter reminded us, Neil Olshay drafted C.J. McCollum, which may be influencing his reluctance to engage in trades involving him. And if you think that sounds crazy, a GM refusing to consider a trade because it would require him to trade a guy that he drafted, then tell me what the reason is. Tell me why the Blazers refuse to go all in for Dame. You have C.J., you have Mm -hmm. all of your own picks going forward. Those picks that they gave in the Robert Covington, they're gone. Okay, they're extinguished. You have all of your picks now, all of your first-round picks. You also have an exciting young prospect in Anthony Simons, who was only 22. You're telling me that you can't figure out a trade package to significantly upgrade this roster? It's not like they're they have they're, they're devoid of talent or devoid of, of of pick assets. So if you're not willing to entertain these thoughts, then just trade Dame, because that's where this is headed. If you're not willing yeah. to leverage your future to maximize your present with a franchise star, you're not actually interested in winning. You're not a serious franchise. And I know that sounds harsh, but look at the recent history of championship contending rosters. Look at what those franchises had to do in terms of giving up their future, paying a huge tax bill. Why do you think you're going to be the one franchise that finds the loophole? And just compare it to (laughs) Daryl Morey, 
who never won a title with James Harden in Houston, but you can't say it's because he didn't try. You can't say it's because he didn't put together championship-caliber rosters. He made big moves year after year, whether it was bringing in Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, franchise-altering, all-in moves to try and maximize his star's time in Houston. And there's downsides to doing that, but at least he was trying. John Hollinger Mm -hmm. noted in his free agency article today that Houston, in Maury's tenure, completed more trades than any other team. The same cannot be said for Damian Lillard. On what planet do you really think that this roster, a team with one all-star, has any realistic shot at competing for a championship in today's NBA? Now, in past years, you could make the injury excuse. You could argue for internal development. That's all over. You have to make a move. You have to go all in. You have less than 12 months to not end up in the exact same spot you are right now, having a much different conversation. And Dame said it himself. If you do what you've always done, you'll always be where you've always been. So if you really believe Damian Lillard is good enough, and we know that Dame believes it, and I know that most Blazers fans believe it, and you want to give him the best opportunity to win in Portland, Neil O'Shea has to think bigger. And if he can't, then he shouldn't be the GM. Yeah. I, I I could not agree more. He's in a really tough spot. This feels a little bit like when the summer that eventually Russ and Paul George were traded from the Thunder, whenever the, the Thunder signed Alec Burks and Mike Muscala. And it was like, those were like the big moves. To yeah. Like change yeah. everything, you know? And things ended very quickly after that. Now, Dame seems to be giving... The franchise, the benefit of the doubt in every single way possible, but without giving the commitment. Like he's not giving the Bradley Beal commitment. You know, he's he's later in his career than Bradley Beal, and he probably needs a change. And so I I would predict that he would not be on the team, maybe even by the trade deadline. I just don't see. I don't. I'm with you. I don't see that this roster is that one. It's just not that different. And then two, I just don't know how you're better than a lot of teams. I mean, they couldn't beat the Nuggets with the depleted roster. The Nuggets are probably a little bit better. Like, even bringing Jeff Green adds, like, a nice little dimension to the Nuggets. And the Nuggets aren't even, like, the best team in the Western Conference. I mean, they can't can't beat the Suns. They can't beat the Lakers. I think the Clippers, you know, are even going to be a tough opponent for them. So, I mean, this is, to me, this is kind of... They're in desperation mode, but they don't seem to be. They seem to be just operating as normal. Well, and it's interesting to compare it to the situation in New Orleans because everyone right now with Zion is saying, oh, are they are they rushing too quick? Are they making the same mistakes they made with Anthony Davis where they like went all yeah. in too early? And to Definitely. the Blazers' credit, and by the way, I don't think that's happening in New Orleans based on their moves, but yeah, to the Blazers' credit, like they actually did try the draft a bunch of young players, build a young core – around Dame and let them grow together. But it hasn't worked. Like, he's 31 now. Like, if you're not Mm -hmm. going all in now, when are you going to go all in with Dame? You have to do it now. And just the idea that they are going to go into this season with essentially the same roster. Like, again, I can make the case that Tony Snell is going to be a better fit than Carmelo Anthony. Cody Zeller is probably going to be a better fit than Ennis Cantor. But does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? Whatever. It doesn't. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't know why I got so angry today. I was I was actually gonna I was planning to talk about five different teams, Andrew. Five yeah. teams that I didn't know what their plan was, but I started on the Blazers and I ended up with like three pages of notes. And I was like, Well, I, 
I guess Dallas gets off the hook this week. <laughs> I guess the, I guess this is it. Yeah, I I feel for O'Shea in some ways though because no! the C, we talked about the CJ trades before. Like he's a tough player to trade because he's right there in the middle. He's like not quite an all star, right? And he's so I just don't know what you get for him. It's true, but like, that's who, where who's available. That's where the picks come into play. Like you look at that yeah. that all in move that the Bucks made last year, and to be fair, like the Bucks yeah. had a much better playoff recent playoff history when they made that move, but they made yeah. that move before getting the confirmation from Giannis about signing the extension, mm-hmm. and they gave Definitely. unprotected picks that would be coming up in the scenario that like Giannis leaves, and like I said, the Blazers have all of their first round picks going forward, so. Even though if you don't think that C.J. McCollum is like the most amazing trade asset out there for another team, he's still a very good player. And when you add in those picks, like that is a compelling package for some team in the league. So, so would you throw like four unprotected picks and Ben for and C.J. for Ben Simmons? Is that like what you're talking well, about? Well, now I wouldn't. If if those reports are true that came out today, that he specifically said he has no interest in Portland or Toronto. He wants I know, to play in but California. it still would be like an all-in ballsy move. I don't know who else is available, though. You know what I mean? Like, what well, other upgrade is out there? That's that would be my question. And, and I don't know why Toronto would do this specifically, even though I know his name has been out there. But like Pascal Siakam, Siakam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- that that is a name. And I is he for sure an upgrade over CJ? I don't know, but you're at least trying something. I think he's a better fit for that roster because then you move. Norman Powell to the shooting guard spot. They're going to get bigger just by not having yeah. those three guards. Yeah. I don't know, Andrew. Yeah. That's it. I, I agree with you that something needs to be done, but I also don't have a clear picture of what it is that should be done. Hey, you know that's I mean? why like, that's, Neil Olshay gets paid the big bucks, Andrew. That's so true. Okay. That's, that's not our job. That's not my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the Raptors, I just think this team is really interesting. Today... Uh, Masai Ujiri signed a new deal to become the vice chairman and the president of the Toronto Raptors. That sounds so powerful. What a powerful man he is. And uh, he's so interesting because I think if you maybe polled Raptors fans, like, who is the superstar of the Raptors today? Well, it's probably Masai Ujiri. And maybe even if you polled Masai, just in his little heart. Who does, he, who does he believe the star of the Raptors is today? I think he might think it's Masai Ujiri, too. There's just some some interesting dynamics going around there. Uh, but this week, Kyle Lowry, best player in franchise history, gone in a sign-and-trade, in which they netted a very meh return in Goran Dragic and Preston Achua. You know, I, I wish... doing. I think they should have just traded him at the deadline. I think they could have gotten something better than that, but... You know, that's, I mean, that's all water under the bridge now. Uh, a couple weeks ago, they were picking at four. They drafted the 20-year-old forward guard basketball player, Scotty Barnes. Uh, he certainly fits the Raptors mold, but many believe that Jalen Suggs was the best player left on the board. So that was kind of a risky move. They got Gary Trent at a very reasonable deal. I actually thought that was a really nice deal for them. He was pretty good for them. But I think there's just a lot of questions surrounding the Raptors and what they look like moving forward. Uh, I don't have as much passion or vigor as you did about the Blazers, but I'm just like generally curious as to what's next for the Raptors because they do have Pascal Siakam. He's under contract through 23-24 season. 
and he'll be making like a lot of money, $36 million that season. Like that's a lot yeah. of money for Pascal Siakam. What do they do with him? He's 27 years old. I'm just curious if he even is a part of their future because I think you could get a lot. And you talk about the Blazers being a partner. I think a lot of teams would be interested in Siakam if he became available. As like probably not your second best player, but certainly if he's your third best player, I think that you have a, like a real shot. And so I think there'd be some teams that'd be interested in him. Uh, you have Fred Van Vliet, who's been really good for them, but mostly in a secondary role next to Lowry. Like, it's been a great fit for him. And now, he's the guy. Like, he's the ball handler. They didn't draft Jalen Suggs to take that spot. They're giving it to Fred Van Vliet. And he's been a good player, but can he be that guy? Like, I don't know. Like, that's a huge question mark to me. Uh, OG Ananobi. OG Ananobi's been really good for the Raptors. And a lot of people, I think, I can't remember who it was that said that they were going to have OG as their... um, most improved player. Like they're going to go ahead and pencil him in there because there's going to be more opportunity. There's going to be more shots for him. Can he take the next step? Like that's another question to me. Uh, that was Scotty me, Barnes. Andrew, that was me. I said that. Was that you? Oh, yeah, I tweeted well, there that you out. Go. Well, there you go. Uh, you have him penciled in. I, I don't know. I don't know. I have, I question that. I, I wonder about Scotty Barnes. Was he the right pick? You know, I've said this on probably every single podcast that I've been on, but Sam Vecini called him a no-level scorer. We talked about it on this show. And it is a bet on the coaching staff. It's a bet on their development that they can take this guy who has great defensive skills. He's a great human being by all accounts. He's a good passer. He can handle the ball to a degree. He's got to tighten up his handle. But can they teach this guy to shoot? Can he become like a franchise cornerstone for them alongside Siakam, alongside OG, and just like form like this super wing combo that I think could be great in the NBA, but he's got to be able to shoot. Otherwise, I don't know how good Scotty Barnes can be. That's such a huge bet. Uh, To me, I just don't know what the direction is. Is this team, are they going to trade Pascal and become a lottery team? And try to build around Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi. Like that's kind of intriguing. Like you get there's a lot of talent coming in the next few years in the draft. And to me, it would make it would make sense, especially in the Eastern Conference, where it doesn't take a whole lot. Like ask the Hawks. Like it didn't take a whole lot for them to get back or to, to get where they wanted to be. And can they get there? I don't know. I think that the lottery is a nice play. Can they make trades to make their team better now? What if Damian Lillard becomes available? Like they have a pretty compelling package for the Blazers. In they could trade multiple picks. They could trade them Scotty Barnes. They could trade them OG Ananobi, and bring Dame into Toronto and build around him. Masai will have no problems making like the the big time moves yeah, that Dame sure. wants, right? Like he's the type of GM that I th- that I think he wants, right? So like I think that would make some sense. Uh, do they keep this team and try to add some more players to it and try to make the play? And I don't know. I just don't know how they get back to where they were. They had they've had such a crazy run. They they win the championship. They didn't have a lot of time to celebrate. They lose Kawhi. They go to the bubble. Then they're in Tampa. Then they miss the playoffs. They get lucky. Get the fourth pick. It's just been such a crazy ride ever since they won the title. And so now I just have the question like, what's next for the Raptors? Because I wouldn't be shocked at a ton of different outcomes from them, whether it's 
making the play-in tournament, being a playoff team, I wouldn't count them out of that either, or being in the lottery. Like, I don't know what they are at season's end. I'm glad that Masai stayed for Raptors fans' sake because I think that he'll set them on the correct course. Yeah, I th- I think if they made a Siakam trade, that might clear up things a little bit because that would, depending on what they got back, that might signal more of a, a move towards youth. Although, yeah. you know, they did sign like Sam Decker, who's 27, and Ken Birch is coming back, 28. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I those, mean, are, but, those are more peripheral moves. Those are, those are more like Cody Zeller moves, right. like if we're talking. You know? They don't really matter. The, the one thing I will say about Scotty Barnes, though, is that I had those same concerns that you did, but I did feel mm-hmm. like if it's going to work out, two of the scenarios where I'd really like to see him fit in the NBA is either as a lead ball handler and or as a small ball five. And I do feel like Toronto is one of the teams that would do that. I would not be surprised Mm -hmm. if Scotty Barnes is essentially their point guard next season because that that kind of gives you some time with the shooting because it's accentuating his best offensive skill, which is his passing right now. And if you look at the other guys on that roster, like he – He's the best passer on that roster. He could be. I would be very surprised. <laughs> I would be very surprised to see that happen. But why I not? I just don't know if he's ready for that. <laughs> then, to me, you're signaling we we don't really care that much about making the playoffs or the play-in. And that's where a Siakam trade would, would bring some clarity. Because I think if you trade yeah. Siakam, then you're like, okay, now we're focusing on OG, Gary Trent, Scotty Barnes, whoever we get back for Siakam. You know, Fred Van yeah. Vliet is kind of in that middle range at 27. Who knows what they do with him? But in, especially yeah. in comparison to a franchise like Portland, you just feel so much more confident that Toronto, whatever they decide to do, they're going to figure it out because of the mm-hmm. leadership there, because of the coach there, the stability they've mm-hmm. had. I just like have zero concerns. I mean, it's similar to the way that Oklahoma City fans, as bad as things look for some people from the outside, inside the Thunder community, it's like, hey, we have Presti, like everything will be fine. Yeah, <laughs> Everything will work out. And I'm sure that Raptors fans feel the exact same way about having Masai. Without a doubt, they feel that way, and it matters. Competent management and competent ownership matter. I think I don't. I think it's Danny Larue that says like that's the that's the biggest competitive advantage that you can have. Yeah, is having like good ownership, and then like just like competent general managers that have a plan. And that's I mean that's a huge part of it. Is do you have a plan? What is it? How do you accomplish that goal? And the Blazers, I would just say, like, their plan through the years, they're just not setting their sights high enough is what it feels like when you watch their moves. And when you watch the Raptors, like, they're taking swings. They're really trying, and they've done that through the years. That's how they won the title. They took a swing at Kawhi. I mean, it ended up working out. It took a lot of different things to line up for it to work, but it worked because they took the big swing. And now I'm just interested to see because – I. I, I can imagine them taking another big swing. I mentioned Lillard. I don't know if that's actually possible, but I just think that they have all the assets to do whatever they want and in the form of players, in the form of draft picks, in the form of everything. And a lot of that is because of the way they've developed players, the way that they've drafted in the past. Getting OG and Anobi where they did in the draft was a huge thing for them. Uh, and now they have to prove it again with Barnes because – I'm one, and I know that Sam Vecini feels this way, and a lot of people we've talked to have felt this way, that Jalen Suggs is – he was my second favorite prospect. I know he was Vecini's second favorite prospect. Like, they've they've got a lot to prove that that they made the correct decision. 
and he's gonna he's gonna have a chance. Suggs is gonna have a chance with the Orlando Magic, you know, to show what he's got. And probably he's the the type of competitor that's gonna have the chip on his shoulder. That's gonna be like, no, like I'm I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show all all five teams or all four teams right. that you guys really messed up here. So, you know, they have a they have a lot to prove. And it, to me, it was a pretty ballsy pick taking him at at four. But if he works out, if they can teach him to shoot at all. I think it'll be worth it, but there's just there's just it's just one of the biggest questions I have about them. All right, Andrew, are you ready to celebrate some birthdays? Blow out the candles, get your cake, and eat it too. It's the birthday bash. It's your birthday. Somebody in here, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. Somebody in here, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. Everybody move like it's your birthday. Let's do it. Okay, uh, a lot of guys had birthdays again this week, and so I'm going to give you two names. You're going to tell me which one is younger. First up, former Thunder player, current uh, player for the Spanish national team, Alex Abrinas versus Mm. Austin Rivers. Oh, oh, weird one. Starting off with a challenging one. Um, I'll say Austin Rivers is older. That is correct. Austin turning 29, Alex turning 28 this week. What about Dallas big man Chris Stapps Porzingis versus Matt Thomas? Oh, man. I'll say Matt Thomas is older. He is. He is. He's 27. Porzingis is only 26. What about uh, two veterans? One not in the league anymore. DeMar DeRozan and Maurice Spates. Ooh, Spates. Uh, hmm. Mar DeRozan, Maurice Spates. I'll say Spates is older. He is. Maurice turning 34, DeMar turning 32. Now some, some really old veterans. Nate McMillan, Patrick Ewing. Oh. Hmm. Nate McMillan, oh. Patrick Ewing. I'll say Ewing is older. He is, and as I'm doing all of this, I'm realizing I'm putting the older person second every single time, which may give away some things. <laughs> I'll, I'll remember that going forward. Patrick Ewing, 59 this week. Nate McMillan, 57. Now, our, our final one, Andrew, this is one I've, I've thought about doing for a while, because when I go through basketball reference, you see some of these guys who played, you know, back in the 30s or 40s, and they've just got great yeah. names. So I'm just giving you two random names of really old guys, and you just, based on their names, have to tell me which guy is older, okay? Okay. So we've got Spider Bennett versus Duck Williams. <laughs> Who do you think is older? Oh, Duck Williams has to be older. He's not. Duck turned no. 65 this week. Spider turning 78. <laughs> Almost a clean sweep, 4-1 and one for Andrew. So close. You did it to me, Duck. Uh, all right. Right after this quick break, we are going to talk about another team that has a lot of questions. I mean, a lot of questions in the Cleveland Cavaliers with our friend Kelsey Russo. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. I'd like to welcome our athletic Cavaliers beat writer Kelsey Russo to the show. Kelsey, how's it going? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on, Andrew. So glad you're here. Uh, are you going to Summer League? Are you excited about the Summer League team? I am. I'm leaving Sunday um, to head down there. I'm super excited. And I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see what this team um, will do. It's a good mix of guys, um, both obviously they're new, they're new guys, but also some some G League prospects. So I think it'll be a good a good showing for them. Yeah. Is Okoro on the roster? He is. Yeah. So he's like Ooh. kind of him and Lamar, like the guys from last year uh, yeah. that actually played up with the team um, that are, that are going. So I think it'll be a good, a good thing for them as well, because they didn't go last year. You know, they were, right. um, that got obviously cut short or non-existent. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting for them to go back. I know we, we cover the thunder and there's no Poku. And so we may never get summer league Poku, which just feels like uh, robbery to me. Yeah. Just, oh my gosh. Like <laughs> um, Kelsey, we wanted to start by asking you about Colin Sexton because early in the off season, we heard a lot of trade rumors about Sexton that have since died down, but he is still eligible for that rookie extension. Do you think that extension will happen this off season? And then more broadly, do you think the Cavs see him as a long-term piece in their young core? Yeah, I've been curious to see kind of where this goes. Um, I like haven't heard anything about like if it'll happen or not um, this offseason. Um, I think obviously kind of some of their moves um, and, you know, with with adding Ricky Rubio is an interesting component to this all, obviously, because he's like would be the backup point guard. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see how this how this plays out. Um, like I said, I haven't totally heard anything exactly. Um and more so, I mean, what's interesting is obviously like last year he was their leading scorer, uh, you know, averaging 24, mm-hmm. uh, 24 points um, at as, as a 22-year-old is pretty incredible. Uh, but obviously, you know, there's the consideration of the backcourt and, and fit and everything. Um, so I, I, this past season was a lot about evaluation um, and kind of seeing like how uh, the backcourt of Darius and Colin like played together and everything because obviously with like, you know, Darius's rookie year was kind of up and down. And so it's kind of hard to judge based on obviously just one season. And there was obviously like a lot of that, a lot that happened and not that last year was any easier in the sense right. of with all the pandemic stuff, but it was just another year to get underneath. So I know they were using this past season, a lot as evaluation, especially to see how this backcourt looks together and their ability to play together and, and lead this team and everything. So I think, They'll probably use part of this coming season as well as a factor if they don't give him that extension before the season starts. I think that's still maybe a little bit up in the air. Like I said, I haven't personally heard anything, but it's definitely obviously something keeping an eye on because they have to make that decision before uh, the season starts. Right. And or if not, he'll obviously go into restricted free agency. So it's definitely on my radar. And I think maybe something that's obviously going to have a decision here, hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, the, there were a lot of rumors around the draft of the, the Cavs trading the third pick. Uh, they ended up keeping the pick and taking Evan Mobley. A few days later, they signed Jared Allen to a five-year, $100 million contract. 
Uh, there's legitimate questions about the fit between Mobley and Allen, especially when you consider that the Cavs are one of the least productive teams from three last season. So what's your opinion on that fit, and how do you think the Cavs will handle the front court rotation early on? Yeah, personally, I kind of like the fit um, because, like, watching and, and doing film and talking to people about Evan, um, I think he really has potential, especially with the Cavs, to play at the four. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, you know, obviously like play minutes at the five. Um, so there's rotation of guys, but like, I do think there is potential for him to, to slide into that spot. So then you can play them next to each other. And then you have a seven foot six eleven back or front court, which is like the height that they need, especially because of Evans, because he's like skinnier than, you know, most guys mm-hmm. at the center position. Yeah. Um, and so young, he kind of needs to add a little bit of bulk to his set to himself. So playing him at the four kind of takes away that like beating of playing at the center and or fouling and, you know, all those kind of aspects to it. So I do think there's potential. Obviously, that adds a lot. Then, you know, when you have Kevin and Larry Nance um, also at the four and even yep. Dean Wade, um, there's obviously a lot of bodies there. So it's an interesting like thing to see. But I, I could see Evan playing at the four, Larry, and Kevin coming off the bench. I mean, like because they're going to want to get Evan that experience. You know, they're not mm-hmm. going to want him like riding the bench because you drafted him as the third pick. So you're going to want to play him. But I think he does have that, I guess, versatility to like, you know, in circumstances play backup center um, behind Jarrett. So I think there's potential. I'm curious to see how it kind of all shakes out and why I'm also really curious and excited for summer league to just see like what Evan can do. And, you know, in those yeah. roles, because I think mm-hmm. obviously they'll play him in kind of both spots. Um, get him on the floor and, and see how he looks. And I think that'll give, a, obviously, a clear idea with this squad. And obviously, you know, it, it's not all the guys, but it's, you know, a good fit to see what he can do. The defensive pairing is, like, pretty awesome just because of their versatility yeah. and pairing them with Okoro. And especially when you have those two guards and Sexton and Garland who aren't great defensively, having so much defensive talent behind them is pretty interesting. One of the names you brought up, though, who could also be playing the four is Kevin Love. And earlier this week, we saw the Thunder buy out the remaining two years of Kemba Walker's contract. Kevin Love would seem to be the next most obvious candidate for a massive buyout. But do you think a buyout is imminent for him? Or do you think they will bring him into the season and attempt to boost his trade value once again? Yeah, I think they'll probably they'll bring him back. Um, obviously, Jason Lloyd wrote this piece today about, you know, conversations they've had with with Kevin or like you know, the potential of this conversation about like him coming off the bench kind of a more limited role in the sense of allowing the young guys to play what happened with the Olympics and him having to pull out because of his injury injury probably wasn't the best thing for his trade value, bringing him back, even if, in a, even if it's in a more limited role allows them to like reboost that trade value and hopefully like kind of help that prospect. The thing with him, I think is like important at, at the same time. It's not like he's, you know, he's a good leadership guy for them, you know, like, yes, there's been struggles, but like, he is a good, good in that sense of helping the young guys um, and having kind of a, a leadership voice. So I think they'll also, you know, they value that as well. So I think probably though, it makes, it makes the most sense, I think, to bring him back, allow him to play in a more limited role, you know, show that like this injury that he's been dealing with is like healed and over and he's, you know, able to play. And then if they like, hopefully that would help that trade value go back up and they could, find a partner for it so yeah yeah 
a follow-up to that. I'm just curious because I think that most people, when they think about Kevin Love, they think about the moments of frustration that he's had on the court with the Cavs. And I think that they take those moments and they just kind of copy and paste it to the whole season. As somebody that's covered the Cavs, you've watched every game, you talk to people within the organization, like what's the... Do they do they think of him as a leader, and what do they think about those moments of frustration, and like how do they parse those two out? Yeah, I I mean I definitely think they they see him as a leader. You know he's he's been part of this team kind of through the ups and the downs. You know all like through the championship and, and winning that championship, and then all the way through this rebuild and everything. Um, I think obviously like you know especially back in um, like this season when there were those moments of frustration, like it's handled a lot of it's handled internally. They don't really talk about it, but it's in the sense of like, it's hard because like he, you know, he's seen the top, you know, he's seen the mountaintop of, Mm -hmm. of winning a championship, winning a title and being a part of that. And then to this opposite side of so much losing and so much, just this rebuilding and, you know, starting from square one basically. And, and like, that's really hard. I feel like when you've, when you've done that, like you've gone to the top and then you basically go right back to the bottom obviously it doesn't give an excuse for those moments. And so I Mm -hmm. think there's this understanding of like, they understand the frustration of the losing, but they, like, it's not like they, they don't want it obviously shown, you know, so publicly, obviously. So there's kind of this like balance of of the unnecessary of being able to like handle that frustration in a different way. um, But like understand where it's coming from in a sense. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I, but again, like I said, like, he's not like a, toxic guy in the locker room like they're not like that's not a concern you know it's like it's it's just a there's a frustration with losing but so he but he's because he has been like like jared allen like said something at the at the end of the season um that kobe Altman had mentioned in a in his end of season press conference that like they love being around kevin like like his you know his his knowledge his his understanding of the game his experience Mm -hmm. is super helpful and so it's like there's they there's an appreciation for what he brings to the table it's kind of a combination of all of that. Sure. Uh, Darius Garland has gotten a lot of praise uh, this summer. He's had a really nice summer. I think that he's probably viewed as their best player heading into next season. What's what's his development been like, and then what are the expectations for him next year? Yeah, I think um, for him, it's obviously like taking that next step in that leadership role um, and in that sense of floor general. Um really truly like having that voice and leading the floor. Um, I mean, this last season, like the jump from rookie from his rookie year to, to last year was like huge um, in the sense of just a confidence level and ability to, you know, make reads, see those passes, see, you know, guys making cuts and, and finding them for that pass. Like his assist numbers, I think jumped, like, I think he averaged like six assists this season. There's an understanding of, really how to run the offense in the way that they want to run it with their ball movement and everything. And so I think it's honestly taking that growth and that understanding of everything and just kind of taking it to the next level. There hadn't been the jump that there was last year. There would have been more, you know, of like his understanding the reads and everything, but because there was a really big jump and and there was a way that he just led the offense like so smoothly that Mm -hmm. that was that jump they were looking for. And so now it's just continuing that. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for answering our questions, but it is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes toe-to-toe with a beat writer this week, of course, Kelsey Russo Athletics' own beat writer for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And this week, all the trivia questions will be about the Cavaliers. Now, uh, Kelsey, you should know, Andrew started off 0-11-1, in this trivia game, but has since won 10 weeks in a row. So if oh, shoot. if he wins today, he would get back to 500, which is an amazing story for like one person. Probably his mom. <laughs> <laughs> so how this works, there are eight trivia questions, all about the Cavs. You will give me a number between one and eight. It corresponds to a trivia question. Maybe easy, maybe hard. If you get it right, you'll get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one point. Then he'll choose a number. We'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So to start us off, I just need a number between one and eight. Six. Question number six. In the 2009-2010 season, LeBron's last with the Cavs before leaving for Miami Cleveland almost made a huge trade at the deadline to bring in Amari Stoudemire from Phoenix. According to some reports, the deal fell through when Cleveland refused to include this player in the trade. Who was that player? Oh, boy. Uh, I don't think I know. That's okay. That's okay. That means, Andrew, you have a chance to steal for one point. Do you know who it was? I believe this is J.J. Hickson. It was J.J. Hickson. That is why, apparently, they did not get Amare. Wow. Okay, Andrew, your turn. Uh, Number one. Question number one. Which Cleveland Cavaliers coach has the highest winning percentage? Highest winning percentage. Oh, my word. Is this David Blatt? Andrew... It is David Blatt. 
<laughs> I, wow. Man, I really didn't think you would get that. It, it was close. Well, so he was just there for such a short time and like yeah. with LeBron only. His, he had a 675 winning percentage, which beat out Mike Brown, who was at 633. Mm. Wow. All right, Kelsey, it is your turn. Three. Question number three, my favorite question. In 1970, the, oh boy. the Plain Dealer <laughs> held a team naming contest for the new basketball team. More than 11,000 entries were collected, and five names, including the Cavaliers, made it to the final vote. Which of the following names was not one of the final five choices? So I'm going to give you five names. One of them is fake. Okay. The Jays, the Crows, the Towers, the Presidents, or the Foresters? Oh, boy. So we have Jays, Crows, Towers, Presidents, Foresters. I'm going to go with Crows. Kelsey? That is correct for two points. (laughs) I looked up, uh, because obviously I can get the real names, and then I have to like (laughs) Google, what's a name for a Cleveland sports team that hasn't been yet? And somebody was like, there's a lot of Crows here. So I was like, oh, that sounds great. Mm. (laughs) Honestly, I was like, shoot, there's a possibility that that was a real chance because of there's a lot of Crows. But that would be so sad. (laughs) Okay, Kelsey, you are back in it. It is three to two. Andrew, it is your turn. Uh, number eight. Question number eight. There are only two players in Cavaliers franchise history to average more than 10 assists in a season. So 10, 10 assists per game in a season. Who are those players? And I will give you one point per correct answer. Mm. So only two players. Mark Price. Mark Price is one. So you get one point for that. Hmm. Only two players in cast franchise history to average more than 10 assists per game in a season. I'll say Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. That is incorrect. Kelsey, you have a chance to steal. You could get one point here if you could name the other Cavs player who averaged more than 10 assists per game in a season. I stayed away from what I thought was the obvious answer. Okay, well, then I'll go obvious, LeBron. (laughs) It does seem obvious, but that's why I asked the question. The correct answer was... Andre Miller. Uh, Andre Miller. Dang. I could have eventually gotten there. (laughs) All right, Kelsey, it is your turn. Two. Question number two. Who led the Cavaliers in total minutes played last season? Oh, shoot. I should know this. (laughs) (laughs) I looked at this stat. Total, Total minutes. Is it Isaac? Okoro? Isaac Okoro, that is correct for two points. And we have a tie game, four to four. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Andrew, it is your turn. Uh, Number seven. Question number seven. Okay, LeBron James, heard of him? He holds the Cavs franchise record for all five of the main counting stats. So like total points, total rebounds, total assists, total steals, total blocks. He holds Mm -hmm. all of those for the Cavs, except for one, okay? Mm -hmm. Which of those five Cavs counting stat records is held by someone other than LeBron and who holds it? So I'm gonna give you one point per correct answer. So the first, you would tell me which of those five he does not hold. 
in terms of like total points, total rebounds, total assists, steals, or blocks. Oh. And then you have no. to tell me who actually holds that record. But you get one point per correct answer. The first one, you have a 20% chance. One in five shot. What he doesn't. Oh my goodness, Al. Blocks? That is correct for one point. LeBron does not hold the Cavs franchise record for total blocks. So then the next question is, who does, Andrew? I really just have no idea. All right. Well, that means that Kelsey... Is this Anderson, is this Anderson Verge? No, of course not. All right, Kelsey, <laughs> you have a chance to steal a point. Oh, boy. Blocks. Okay. Most blocks in Cleveland Cavaliers history. That is a great question. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> don't think. I, okay, this is a shot in the dark. So I am. I'm really don't think I'm correct. But you know, we'll give Maybe. it a shot. Uh, Larry Nance Senior by any shot? That is incorrect. I'm surprised. <laughs> I thought the blocks would be the hard part, but the name retired jersey. Within the oh, last couple of years, Big oh, Z. Duh. Oh, shoot. Yep. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. No. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> okay. Kelsey, it is your turn. We have two questions left. Andrew's up five to four. Okay. Five. Oh, boy. That was a great question to choose because you can get more than two points. Listen to this one. Okay. When LeBron left Cleveland for Miami, the Cavs missed the playoffs four straight years until he returned. During that time, their highest win total was 33 wins in the 2013-14 season. That year, Kyrie Irving was their leading scorer. Four other Cavs averaged at least 10 points per game that season. Name them all, but I'm going to give you one point per correct answer. So this is the 2013-14 season. There were five Cavs that averaged at least 10 (gasps) points per game. One of them was Kyrie, and then there were four others. You want to know how old I was in 2013? I was like 12. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, no. Let's see. I was, yeah. Um, I already had a son. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, boy. Oh, this is so sad. I have no idea. I have, like, there's no, this is so bad. <laughs> All right. Are you officially giving up? Uh, I'm officially giving up. I have, there's, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, Andrew, you have a chance to rack up some points here. Let's do it. My guy, Dion Waiters. Dion Waiters is correct mm-hmm. for one point. Um, I think I only have one more. Okay. <laughs> Tristan Thompson? Tristan Thompson is one. Mm. Okay. Any other guesses? Ugh. My only other guess I have is Spencer Hawes is my only other guess I have. Andrew, Spencer Hawes is correct. Oh. <laughs> Do you want to go for the clean sweep? Just throw out a name. Could be anyone. The Verjav, was Verjav, did he do it? It was not. It was Luol <clears throat> Dang. If you can oh. believe that. I would have never. Don't even there. remember him. Yeah, no. Nope. Never, ever gotten there. <laughs> uh, okay. I kind of remember that. I remember him wearing the weird Cavs jersey that had the shoe on it. Oh yeah. Oh yep. yeah. Yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, Andrew. Final question. You're gonna get first dibs on this, but this is one of the questions that goes back and forth. The first Cleveland okay. Cavaliers team to make it to the NBA Finals was the 2006 
2007 Cavs. Now, Kelsey, were you alive mm-hmm. for this? Uh, yes, I was 10. Okay, you were 10. <laughs> I was 13 10. players appeared in at least one playoff game that year for the Cavs, and we're going to try to name them all. So this is 2006-2007. Now, how this works, Andrew will give me a name, then Kelsey will give me a name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles Ooh. and can't think of a Cav okay. from the 2006-2007 season. So, uh, LeBron James. It's easy, easy one to start off with. That is correct. <laughs> well, let's think. Oh, uh, Big Z. That is correct. Zadrunas Ilgauskas. Back to Andrew. Drew Gooden. Drew Gooden, number 90. He's only a player in Cavs history to wear number 90, I found out while doing research. Okay, back to Kelsey. <laughs> Uh, just think back to when you were 10 yeah Ooh. <laughs> uh, oh um, what's his name Daniel Gibson yes Booby Gibson Daniel yeah. Gibson alright back to Andrew Larry Hughes Larry Hughes that is correct back to Kelsey we're doing pretty well we've already got 5 names 5 of the 13 Now's where it gets a little challenging. Yeah. Though I, do, I will say there's there's one name left that I think is doable. Yeah, I've got a couple. Oh, locked uh, Damon Jones? Yes, Damon Jones. Good pull. Back to Andrew. We haven't said Verizhou yet, we have, have we? Not. Anderson Verizhou? We have not. That was the oh, name yeah. I was thinking of, Anderson Verizhou. Okay, back to Kelsey. Now... Oh boy! Into the bottom of the roster. <laughs> uh, We've done great though. Seven names, seven out of thirteen, which means there's still six to go. But we have gotten more than half. And I, was uh, was Shannon Brown on that roster? Shannon Brown. Okay. Yes, that is correct. He is the last name on this list because his playoff minutes say zero, but he has a stat total, which means yeah. he played some amount of seconds in a playoff game. So that was a very good poll. Wow. Okay. I don't know very why that name poll. is like stuck in my head. Like that. Okay, Andrew, yeah. it's That's back awesome. to you. We've gotten eight names. Yeah, Eric, Eric Snow. Eric Snow, yeah. Big fan of him from his Sixers days. Okay. Oh, yeah. I said it I said this every time, but it's very tough now. There are four names left. They're all pretty tough. Uh, <laughs> they're all pretty up. I think I have one more. I think I have one more. Um. Oh. Oh. What's his name? I knew somebody with the last name, so it always like, reminded me of them. Um. Do you know what it starts with? Can you think of the letter? It's a P. Oh. Ah. Oh, ah. Oh, Scott Pollard. Oh, Pollard. Suddenly. Yes, left. that is correct. Scott what? Pollard. <laughs> Wow. I did not remember the Scott Pollard. <laughs> what a battle we have. I did remember. <laughs> I thought you almost had the, the, the P last name. Because have we said Sasha Pavlovich we had, yet? That's what I thought Kelsey was about oh. to say. That's what I thought too. That was my one I had locked and loaded. Okay. <laughs> there are two names left. Um, They're tough. Okay. <laughs> one of them, I always kind of liked his name. The other one, he is known for something. He did do something one time. <laughs> Is that helpful at all? What a hint. What so a helpful. Hint. So helpful. Thank you. Thank you. 
he did something one time. Why does the name Ira stick out? <laughs> is is that a first name? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is weird that the I why do I remember this year? Of all years <laughs> to remember, why this I don't I don't I'm unsure why my memory is this way. Oh, uh, what is his last name? Hey, Kelsey has said Ira. It starts with an N. Oh wow. It starts with an okay. N. Ira. Okay, okay. Ira N. Okay. Ira N. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, know, I know it now that she's saying this. No, it's, uh, a, weird, it's um, a weird little uh, name. Is it Newble? New, yes, Something it's Ira Newble. <laughs> wow. Andrew, we have wow. come all the way. We have named 12 of the 13. We have. I don't think we've ever, for these questions, I don't think we've ever gotten all of them. So this is our chance. Do you remember... The final name for the 2006-2007 Cavs team that made the finals against the San Antonio Spurs. I don't. I don't know this one. I have no idea. Well, after all that, that means that Kelsey gets one point. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so much work for a point. <laughs> the final name, he was the guy that did something one time, and it oh. was uh, – <laughs> Hitting Oops. the most threes in a game. This record has since been broken, but it was Danielle Marshall. Danielle oh. Marshall. He did yep. that. He did he that, did one, that thing. one time. Wow, what a match! Now, Andrew, you you won again. You got back to five hundred, but what wow. what a match it was. Final score oh. eight to five, but it felt it felt so close because of that last question. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh man, go read Kelsey Russo on the Athletics. Check out just just be on the lookout. I bet she'll have some good stuff for summer league out there. Kelsey, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Huge thanks to Kelsey Russo for coming on the show. Alex, it's time to let a digital wheel determine our next team. Yes, and uh, boy, am I hoping for an interesting Summer League team, because obviously Summer League starts next week. It'd be fun to watch some of the games, talk about them next week. So we have, uh, how many teams we got left? 11 teams. 11 teams on the Wheel of Fandom. And here we go, spinning the Wheel of Fandom. Who will it be for next week? It will be (gasps) the Chicago Bulls. That's a great poll. Yeah, that's a great poll. And that means I, we have to get my guy Trey Kirby on here to Ooh, let us know. Yeah, are the Bulls back? Are they back? <laughs> There's only one person that knows the answer to that. So tune in next week to the Saturday Slam and Jam. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate you guys. Tune in to the Athletic NBA Show all next week because we are going to provide summer league content. We're going to do podcasts in person. We're doing all these podcasts on Zoom for forever. Now we're going to do these in person. It's going to be so fun. Should have some special guests. So be sure you're subscribed to the Athletic NBA show and listen all week. And we will talk to you guys again next week.